Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Nobody is Shiftier, because in fact, nobody is shiftier than the Shifty Hippo. What a game, huh? I know I'm coming to you like five days later, so it's a little bit different. It's not the day after. I'm not still like hungover from the festivities, the parties. I'm not like coming fresh off of like the worst poop I've ever had in my life because I ate too much taco sauce. Like there's so much stuff that goes on with a Super Bowl that usually makes you entirely useless the day after. Yeah, I'd say I was actually relatively useless the day after. I, I don't think I was all that hungover, but I think I just ate things that were not good for me. And then, obviously, any time that you have some level of alcohol included, that just messes up your whole insides. So really, I wouldn't say that I had like a, like a headache or anything like that the next day. Whew. insides weren't working so well, though. But we are now here on Friday. Oh, yes. So the, the party has subsided. We've gotten through Valentine's Day since then. That's its whole other thing, which we're not going to talk about here on Nobody You Shift Here because we're to talk about the Super Bowl. We'll talk a little bit of NBA as well. Usually I start off with the NBA just because I like to build the football. But in this case, we're coming off of the Super Bowl. So we got to talk Super Bowl first. Let's take a little sip of the beer and get into it. <sighs> All right. Obviously, Chiefs win this game 38-35. And I actually want to start here. Great game. And let's start with the call at the end. So, yes, it was a defensive hold. No, I wouldn't have called it either because that just sucks. I, honestly, I think that the throw was a little bit too far anyway. I don't think regardless of the hold that that thing was being caught. So I would have let that slide. I, I would have said, Nope, not chance in the game on that. Now, technically with a defensive hold, keep in mind that has nothing to do with if the ball is catchable, it's not the same as pass interference with pass interference. It matters if the ball is deemed catchable, not so much with defensive holding. That's why sometimes you get it. The folding and it's away from the catch entirely it's on the opposite side of the field it has nothing to do with the catch yes technically it was a penalty no i would not have called it but the one thing that keeps pissing me off i'm hearing a lot of this i'm hearing it in two different directions if they if they didn't call that then the eagles would have won okay let's just say they don't call it chiefs go up a field goal at that point because if i'm not mistaken that was third down eagles got good 90 seconds or so to go score. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe the Eagles win. Maybe they don't (laughs) because we've never seen Jalen Hurts down three in a Super Bowl with 90 seconds left trying to drive to win the game. In fact, we haven't gotten to really see him drive with 90 seconds to try to win a game a whole lot. I know we got to do it against the, the Colts. There haven't been a lot of times that we've seen Jalen Hurts out there utilizing the last 90 seconds of a game to drive downfield to try to get points because the Eagles are always up. I, I don't know how we would play in that scenario. I, I, there's no way to know. The other thing I keep hearing is if it wasn't for that Jalen Hurts fumble that got brought back for a touchdown, Eagles would have won. Well, if we're going to play it that way, let me also play it this way. What if Harrison Butker doesn't shank that field goal off the off the upright? Okay, cool. So you know what? Take away seven for the Chiefs, add three for the Chiefs. They would have been down four, and guess what? Jarek McKee. 
couldn't have slid at the one yard line. He would have gone into the end zone. The Eagles would have been down three once again, driving to try to win this game one way or another, either way that you cut that with the, Oh, if this didn't happen, the, then the Eagles would have won. They still would have had to have go one. They like, they there, there's no determination that says absolutely. They were going to go downfield and score nothing to say that. Now I know that their offense was moving, but their offense was moving like four yards at a time for the most part. There wasn't a whole lot of big plays that game, especially from the Eagles side. It was a lot of runs, a lot of short passes. I'm not saying that they wouldn't have done it. I'm not here telling you that the Eagles couldn't have done that. Absolutely, they could have. I'm just not here to tell you that it definitely was going to happen if not for these things. Like the Chief, they've said, So for everybody that's just telling us uh, the Chiefs shouldn't have won that game, well, no, they should have. They did. They won it. They, they won the game. The Chiefs won. Patrick Mahomes, second Super Bowl. Only five to go to catch Brady. That's the next part, right? So we've now seen Patrick Mahomes make it to five consecutive AFC championship games, two and one in the Super Bowl in those five years. Now what? Well, I mean, frankly, I don't think this team's necessarily ready to totally break apart. You know what I mean? Patrick Mahomes took what at this point is already somewhat of a team-friendly deal, and I don't think he's necessarily dying to get a rework to get himself more money. I think he's happy with the situation that he's in right now. He's making plenty. And when you look around, I mean, they have places they can still upgrade. Their receiving core is made up of Marquez Valdez-Scantling. It's made up of Kadarius Toney, McCole Hardman, Juju Smith-Schuster, Sky Moore, I don't know if any of those guys are really any good. Like, I know that Valdez Scandling had the relatively nice game against Cincinnati, but, I mean, we've seen him with Aaron Rodgers. We've seen him with Patrick Mahomes. He's fine. Caught, like, what, three touchdowns this year? (laughs) Like, it wasn't a lot. Sky Moore, first-round draft pick. I actually think there's a lot of potential in the kid, but I have no idea if he's any good. He shows signs of being potentially good. I don't know if he is. McCall Hardman seems like he can be a homer. I I don't know that he's going to do anything else for you. Juju Smith-Schuster, I mean, he had that one big year in Pittsburgh. But other than that, I mean, most people have been saying that he's trash for the last, what, five years? Canarius Tony seems like he's got a lot of talent. I don't know if he really pans out in this league. I think the Chiefs have an obvious spot they can upgrade just right there, a wide receiver. I mean, let's just say one of those guys is really good. Like, let's just say Kadarius Tony breaks out and he's all of a sudden a top six receiver in the NFL. All right, well, you got one. I mean, Travis Kelsey, I know we want to talk about him because he's the top tight end in the league by all counts. But, I mean, he's, what, I think he's about my age. I think he's about 32, 31, 32. I mean, we'll see what he's got left in the tank. Obviously, it doesn't seem like he's about to slow down right just now, but there's there's a little bit to be figured out there as far as what the, what the game plan is for when his time comes. I mean, we already saw Gronk, who's, keep in mind, about six months older than Travis Kelsey retire. It, it wouldn't be the most shocking thing if Travis Kelsey, I don't think he's going to retire this year, but, I mean, he might only play another two years. We don't know. <laughs> There's places to upgrade there. The Eagles, on the other hand, I I fear that they might have to now not necessarily break apart to where they cannot be back at this level, right? 
we know that Jalen Hurts is going to be back. We know that A.J. Brown's going to be back. Pretty sure Dallas Goddard's going to be back. I got to think that at least most of that offensive line is going to be back. Jason Kelsey, I know, is now in the place where he's contemplating his own potential retirement. I mean, yeah, that would be a hit. But if that's the only piece that they miss from that offense this year or this coming year, I don't think that's bad. I mean, when you think about the Eagles, right? As long as they're still able to generate holes for the most part, I still can't tell you if Miles is any good. I really have no idea because the Eagles give him such wide open holes to run through that it doesn't really take a very talented guy to do that. And I'm not suggesting that Miles Sanders isn't good. He's doing the right things. He's doing what a good running back would do. He's just also doing what an okay running back would do when he has a hole that big. I have no idea if he's any good, but clearly he can run behind this offensive line. So if they're bringing back four-fifths of that offensive line to Miles Sanders, well, the run game's going to still be there. A.J. Brown's going to be there. Devontae Smith's still on his rookie deal. I don't know if he's getting paid this offseason or if it's next one, but you have to imagine. I mean, all their weapons are still going to be there offensively. Defensively, I can't imagine they can keep every one of those pass rushers. And yeah, it might just be like Robert Quinn and the Dominican Sue that end up gone, and that's not the worst impact. I mean, at this point, Fletcher Cox is getting up there. Brandon Graham's getting up there. So, I mean, I don't know. You you might lose a few of those guys on that D-line, and obviously, Hassan Riddick is something else. I He really blew onto the scene this year. Holy shit. Josh Sweat's very good. I don't know what they're keeping between Linval Joseph and Jonathan Hargrave. It, They've still got the potential of having a really good defensive line there. Secondary-wise, I don't think Darius Slay is going anywhere. I don't think James Bradbury is going anywhere. I don't know about C.J. Gardner-John. I, I don't know if there's something. Uh, like, you got to think that somebody's leaving. I just I don't know where the contracts all sit right now. I don't have it in front of me. But I think that the Eagles have more chance to break apart than the Chiefs do as far as you know pieces leaving. But I still don't think it's going to be many. And that's got to be frightening for everybody in the rest of the NFL because, I mean, other than Cincinnati and Buffalo, I don't feel like anybody was really in the same league as Kansas City this year in the AFC. The NFC felt like it was more open, but it felt like it was more open because I didn't know if the Eagles were going to be able to get it done. They they just showed everybody they can get it done. So I, I have no doubt that the Eagles are going to be right back close to the same position next year. I mean, the 49ers have a chance if they can get themselves a rock star quarterback or even, you know, a good quarterback. <laughs> they, uh, you know what? Yeah, let's take it back. We don't need a rock star in San Francisco. We just need a guy. Like, did, honestly, I, I still don't know why they're not just bringing back Jimmy G. It, it keeps throwing me off. And I know that they got this thing with Trey Lance still, and all I'm looking at it as is, yeah, all right. Go ahead. He's not incredibly accurate. Takes a few risks here and there. Mobile quarterback who relies on his legs maybe a little too much. Already suffered one broken leg. Yeah, I mean, sure. If you want to roll the dice with him again, go for it. But I'd suggest move away now. Like, just get off of that. Trey, Trey Lance, trade him away. Get yourself a second rounder. Call it a day. Hey, maybe you can get somebody to give you a first. Maybe somebody else wants to take that chance on him. It's starting to look more and more like Vegas might not have a clear path to a quarterback. Again, another team that's getting rid of their quarterback, and I don't know what Carr's a very good quarterback. They think they're going to be be able to move on and get, what, 
So Brady retires. Aaron Rodgers, look, man, by all accounts, I think he's going to the Jets. I really do. I don't think that's best for the Jets, but I do think that's what Aaron Rodgers is going to end up doing, and I think the Jets are they're, they're just going to fall for it. But then who's that leave to go to, to Vegas? Is, is that is that where Jimmy G lands? I don't think they're any better than they were with Derek Carr. They can end up with Baker Mayfield. Is Carson Wentz going to get a shot over that? I mean, I can't imagine that Carson Wentz gets a shot anywhere next year to be anything other than a backup, right? I, I just can't picture it. Obviously, the guy has a ton of talent in that arm, but since, what, 2016, he hasn't been able to figure it out. 2017, was it? I know it was his second year in the league. He 14 and two Eagles, heard him say, tore his ACL. Second last week of the year or something like that. Uh, terrible. Ever since then, never has gotten it back. The, this whole quarterback carousel is going to be strange this offseason, and I think we're going to see players with teams that don't quite fit right, and it's just because of who needs it and who's got enough stuff. I think Aaron Rodgers with the Jets makes them better than they were. I think anything makes them better than it was with Zach Wilson, frankly, so... I think the Jets become a playoff team with Aaron Rodgers, but I don't think that puts them at the level of Buffalo. I don't think it puts them at the level of Cincinnati. I don't think it puts them at the level of Kansas City. I feel like Jimmy G is going to end up in Tampa somehow. I don't know why. I just get that feeling. I hear that Derek Carr might be going to the New Orleans, and I'm like, ah, all right. Like, that. yeah, they got they got stuff. They do. They got pieces. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hold it against them. Just... I don't, I don't think that's really a, much of a threat. I think it wins the, the NFC South, but, I mean, you know, so could really half the teams in the AFC right now that didn't even make the playoffs. It's going to be interesting. Other takeaways from that game. Your boy had Devontae Smith leading the game in receiving yards. That was $5 turned into 27 in winnings. That was pretty nice. He ended up getting it by four yards. Thank God for that mini bomb to him towards the end of the game. <laughs> AJ Brown just kept catching it for 12 yards at a clip. And I'm like, no, fuck, fuck, fuck. Because Devontae Smith started off the game with the lead and had it for most of the game. And then AJ Brown had overtaken him by a little ways. Devontae Smith came through at the end. Got me some money. All in all, not a great betting day for me. The Super Bowl, typically, I mean, I find that I usually get close to breaking even. I, I didn't even do that good this year. I lost like 50 bucks all in all. But Travis, oh, Travis Kelsey, one more reception. I could have just said I lost 20 instead of 50. Ah, I'm almost rough. The NBA is kicking my ass, too, this week. So, since the NFL season ended, I realized, uh, like, for some reason, I had not looked at my account and I realized that I have a lot more in there than I thought I did. So I've just been betting NBA recklessly. And uh, yeah, I've been I've been losing pretty good bet there. I've lost like a, another 30, yeah, about 30 bucks this week just on NBA. But hey, it's all right. We we put 120 in the account a few years back and going into the Super Bowl, I had a little over 500. So I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess I got some money to play with. So I've been playing. 
Probably going to be taking a little break here for uh, the all-star break, though. I don't I don't think I want to go nuts into betting hockey that I have not watched a game of all year. <laughs> I don't think I want to bet the UFC card tomorrow night that I don't know anybody that's on it, and I would just be guessing. I don't think I want to do that. I think I'll just wait till the all-star break's over. Other takeaways from the game. Jalen Hurts looked legitimately for real. And I I realized that we have assumed that or made that connection throughout the course of this year because it's been consistently very good. But I think a lot of people were wondering what it was going to look like in the postseason. Now, granted, he does get to run over a Giants team that really shouldn't have been a playoff team and a Niners team that right off the bat lost their quarterback and then all of a sudden became a defense in a run game. <laughs> they they were playing against a team from the 1970s, basically. So the Eagles kind of ran through a little bit of eh in the NFC. But look, the Chiefs, obviously, great competition. And the Eagles showed up. Jalen Hurts showed up. Jalen Hurts played phenomenal with the exception of that fumble, that random-ass fumble. Jalen Hurts had a phenomenal game. It was almost perfectly played. That's really uplifting if you're an Eagles fan because the one thing that you could have sat on with doubt is can he get it done in the big games, especially considering that, again, throughout the course of the regular season, so many of these games, the Eagles were already up. They they would start up 21 to 10 because they were able to build leads and then run the ball. And that team has, again, the best offensive line in football. So when they want to run the ball – they can run it as much as they want. It's going to succeed. They can keep the ball away from your offense. I didn't know how that was going to look when he was in a game that was more competitive, when he was in a game that he didn't have the lead the whole game. And granted, in this one, they had the lead at halftime. They had a 10-point lead going into the half. Now, again, anybody that's watched Pat, uh, Patrick Mahomes over the course of his career thus far would be able to tell you, well, I've seen him do better than that. Because I remember one time Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans were up 24 to nothing on Patrick Mahomes in, I believe, the divisional round of the playoffs. And it was 28 to 24 by halftime. Mahomes strikes quick. <laughs> Man. I, it's got to be uplifting if you're an Eagles fan that Jalen Hurts showed he can do the thing. But, I mean, Chiefs fans, you guys got to just be in love right now. Hold up. We're going to take a little sip of the beer. I mean, not only do you have the definitive best quarterback in the NFL, but he's better than everybody else by I would say a relatively wide margin, which is not something we would have been able to say. And oh God, I, I think really my whole football life, because I, I think about it outside of a few Brady years in the, like that Brady, Randy Moss year, you would have just said Tom Brady's the best quarterback hands down. A couple years before that, you could have made the argument that Peyton Manning was better than everybody. Granted, I still would have argued with you then that Tom Brady was better. However, it's that's its own debate. Brady Manning, it's its, its whole own thing. And I understand both sides of the argument. I have my side. Others have their side as well, and that's okay. It's the same reason I don't really go on 
and debate LeBron and Jordan. It's like, okay, we can sit here and talk this out with each other as much as we want, but it, we're neither one of us is going to change our mind. So let's just let's just not have the conversation in the first place. But for the most part, there's never really been a definitive number one quarterback in the NFL. Sure, Aaron Rodgers might have been for a couple of years. I don't know, maybe. I mean, at that time, I I thought that Russell Wilson was right about at his level too. Not just because I'm a Seahawks fan. There was a time that Russell Wilson was legitimately a top three quarterback in the NFL. That time's clearly not now, by the way. For for anybody that was wondering, that time has since passed. But I, I can't think of a time that I definitively remember, yes, this guy is absolutely the best quarterback in football. And it's not only is it Mahomes, but it's been Mahomes. It has been since he came onto the scene. I can't think of anybody else that I have thought was better. I know Rodgers won two MVPs. I didn't think he had better years than Patrick Mahomes either of those years. Went 13 and three and lost somewhere along the NFC playoff line, likely both times to the Niners. <laughs> I mean, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, Mahomes is better. And this isn't going to go away anytime soon. Patrick Mahomes is 27 years old. You got to assume you're getting at least another, what, seven, eight years out of that? And that's if he goes by like 1980s quarterback standards actually slows down at 34 and retires by 36. I mean, I'm not suggesting that everybody's going to play as long as Brady and Breeze and Rodgers, but I have a feeling that Patrick Mahomes is probably going to be able to play till he's 38, 39 years old just fine. I don't feel like a whole lot's coming off of the arm. I seem to remember Brett Favre being able to sling it just like he could when he was 26. I feel like Patrick Mahomes will be able to do the same probably won't be as mobile so you probably have to make sure you really build that offensive line but you don't even have to worry about that for the next five years <laughs> like you, you still got plenty of prime Mahomes as far as his athleticism is concerned and you can get him more weapons like you can upgrade that receiving core I mean god it, I feel like Patrick Mahomes when all said and done is going to have so many, if not, if not the actual records, because keep in mind, Tom Brady playing till he was 45 years old probably means that it's going to be very hard to break any of his records. But Mahomes per year is probably going to end up with damn near every record there is. Passing yards per year, touchdowns per year. He's he's gonna have more than anybody else. It's it's gonna look like uh it's gonna look like an even upgraded version of like Kurt Warner with the greatest show on earth. <laughs> there, there was that three year span where the Rams just slung the ball everywhere and you couldn't stop them. Well, that's that's been Mahomes for five years. I don't see it going away. You remember when he said he couldn't even really read defenses? It, it was like going into his third year playing. He was like, yeah, I just learned how to read defenses. And then everybody's like, okay, okay. And then he came out and it's like, oh, shit, yeah, you can tell that he was missing something and now he's even better than he was. There's still pieces of his game that are going to get even better. Honestly, I think he's probably going to become a little bit better of a decision maker because every now and again, you'll see him make just a total bonehead pick. And granted, 
everybody does to some extent, but I think Mahomes does it maybe a little bit more often than you'd like. That's probably going to dissipate. I don't. I mean, I don't know that you can really get a whole ton more accurate than he already is. He's got very good accuracy, but it's not, you know, it's not pinpoint Drew Brees accuracy, nothing along those lines, but it's very accurate. I Maybe he can even improve on that. I've seen it happen. Remember when Josh Allen came in the league? He was like a 52% passer. He's up in the 60s now. Credit his decision-making is a whole other animal. I don't know what the Chiefs are going to do with their run game. That's one thing that I'm curious about because I, I do think, obviously, Isaiah Pacheco, you bring him along. I feel like it would be somewhat of a loss if you end up losing Jarek McKinnon, but... If it's the worst thing in the world, and I, I don't know what you do with Clyde Edwards Hilaire at this point because you didn't even use him in the postseason. Do, do you try to improve the run game or do you just say, no, we got Pacheco and McKinnon. That's that's all we need. I mean, I, I guess you don't really need the most formidable running backs when you have the best quarterback in the NFL. And I think you're going to spend your offseason looking towards weapons and probably some pieces on defense, particularly in the secondary because I, I really think, I mean, that D-line's plenty good with Frank Clark and Chris Jones. I think your linebacker core is good enough with Nick Bolton, who's getting even better and better. He's actually becoming a very good middle linebacker. And Willie Gay's pretty good, too. Secondary-wise, you got Legereus Sneed, and then you kind of just fall off. I think that would be another spot for them to look at. This team was built pretty well, huh? You always say that you want to build a team from the inside out, and uh, that's that's what they're missing right now. They just need more of the out. Everything close to the ball, they they've got. It's impressive in today's NFL. That's that's an impressive build considering that you're already paying the best quarterback in football. What was at the time of the contract best quarterback in football money? And I mean, granted, it's it's not like he's not making anything. He's still making a lot of money. But there's already, what, four or five quarterbacks making more than him? Or may, maybe it's less than that. May, maybe I'm doing that where I know that there's other deals coming up and I'm just already making that assumption in my head. I I don't know, man. I don't think these teams are going anywhere. So now we go into the NFL offseason. And, you know, I'll be honest with you. A uh, little bit of a, uh, we'll call it a hot take. Because that's what people care about. They want the hot take. I kind of like just, I, I like to celebrate the Super Bowl for a little while after it happens. Like, I, I don't want to, like, the day after, people are talking about head coaching hires here and what players are leaving. Who's, now that the draft order is finally complete, who's going to get who? Like, I I don't care. <laughs> like, give, give me a week. I just want to enjoy that I got to watch an awesome Super Bowl. It's very rare that we get a 38-35 Super Bowl. Not only is that close and competitive, but it's high scoring. Wasn't 45 to 10. You know, there's so many of those. There's so many Super Bowls that are just kind of shitty blowouts that don't really excite anybody. And we just got a really good one. I kind of want to just soak it in for a while. I don't want to get into who's doing what. Obviously, we got the draft coming up in right about two months. I'll talk about the draft when we get closer to the draft. Like, it's it's not for me right now. <laughs> 
Right now, I just want to revel in the fact that the Chiefs won yet another Super Bowl. We get to talk about the legacy of Patrick Mahomes. I mean, honestly, I, I think if he retired right now, you put him in the Hall of Fame. Andy Reid, I mean, you're starting to talk about, is he a top X coach of all time? I don't know that anybody's going to catch Belichick by, by just simply amount of winning production over a course of 20 years. I, th- I think you'll probably end up with him always being number one. You'll have, you'll have Bill Walsh. You're going to have Tom Landry. You'll have Chuck Knoll. You're, you're going to have some of these guys that are always going to be up there. Don Shula. But Andy Reid's making himself into that conversation now where where does he rank among these other guys? I think he's there. And if he's not, he's just outside of it. I mean, we're talking about two Super Bowls in, what, a three-year span or four? Because I, I know they didn't win. No, it would be four because there, there was the two years in between. So two and four years, yeah. I mean, that's that's not not something that nobody else has ever done by any means. Obviously, Miller's won, what was it, like four in six years or something like that in the 70s. The Cowboys won three out of four in the 90s. Niners won four over the course of the 80s. And no, they didn't get anything in the 90s. They were done by then. The Pats, obviously. I mean, the Pats did their own thing three and four years at the beginning of the 2000s and then like basically the same thing again in the late 2010s like <laughs> they they were on their own thing but we get to have these conversations and those are the ones that I'm more in tune with right now I don't want to hear like I heard that both the uh, Eagles coordinators are now head co- coaches I already didn't care the other piece of this too I was uh, I was sitting at a bar on Valentine's Day, and they had it up there. One The deal for one of the coaches, whichever one went to Arizona, forgive me for not remembering the name or if he was even the offensive or defensive coordinator. Again, I'm not there yet. But they had the the deal up on the screen. It's five years, X amount of millions. So I'm like, what? what's the point? Because if this dude doesn't like pan out in year one, he's getting fired. Why do they even sign coaches to five-year deals? Because you still have to pay them out. Like, I, I just don't understand it. You you would think that you're going to pay somebody the amount of time that you're allotting them to have a chance to, uh, to succeed. You're, you're, not, you're not doing that by giving them a five-year deal because you know if it doesn't work year one, you might give them a second year or you might just tell them to fuck off after year one. I, I don't get the point. Why are we paying guys for five years when we know that's not the, the legitimate timetable to look at? Sign coaches to two-year deals. Re-up them after that if you like them. Like that, that would be the way to do it. You don't. You think the coach is going to move on on his own? Like you, you worried that the the coach is going to jump teams? Okay. Guess what? The, if the organization's good, he ain't going anywhere. Which, by the way, if you're not firing the coach, chances are everything's working out. The coach has no reason to leave. <laughs> the, co- the coach ain't out there going, ah, no, you know what? I need to get my new contract. They're, they're, not, they're not the players, man. Come on. What are we doing? We can also have the conversation about where does Travis Kelsey rank at this point all time for tight ends. 
I know recently we've had Gronk. Obviously, there's been Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, Jason Witten, Shannon Sharp, Kellen Winslow, Ozzie Newsome. Like, there's been really good tight ends in the NFL, and Travis Kelsey's absolutely in this conversation. Frankly, I don't know that he's not better than everybody else. Um, I have a hard time putting anybody above Tony Gonzalez personally. And Antonio Gates is a tough one for me to get past, too. But when you really look at what he's done, and you can make the same argument with Gronk, I think they've had overall better careers considering their postseasons than those guys specifically. I mean, Tony Gonzalez got to play in what the one was he in the one Super? Yeah, I think he was. It was towards the end of his career, right? When his one Super Bowl was the one where. The Falcons lost the 28 to three lead. <laughs> that was the only time he's been there. Antonio Gates never got to go to one. I know that Kellen Winslow and Shannon Sharp got to, got to see Super Bowls, but I mean, those guys didn't have the postseasons that Gronk and Kelsey have had, especially as being the number one targets from their quarterbacks. Like the, the times that the, the Pats went to the Super Bowl, when Gronk was in the league, Gronk was their number one guy. It wasn't Wes Welker. It wasn't Randy Moss. It wasn't Troy Brown, David Patton, Dion Branch, David Given. Like, none of those eras. By the time Gronk got there, it was Gronk and Edelman. Gronk's the guy. And even when it traveled to Tampa, yes, there was Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, but, I mean... We saw the Super Bowl. Gronk got the first two touchdowns of the game. <laughs> and for the Chiefs, I mean, Travis Kelsey gets everything. I mean, that's that's the guy. He gets everything except for the seventh catch that I needed to hit my bet. The hell. Still pissing me off. It's been five days. I'm still pissed off about it. One more catch. Just one more. One more little grab. Little button hook. It's a tight end. Make him run a tight end route now and again. Make him just run out to the flat. Ugh. So, guys, I think that's going to about do it. I, I think we've talked about as much of the Super Bowls we can here. Oh, except for the halftime show. I'm not going to say anything negative about that shit. Did you see what a pregnant Rihanna did? I wouldn't have gone up that high not pregnant. You couldn't get me to go up on that little platform thing right now. Nope, 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 nope. Not doing it. She's pregnant. Crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. Did I like it as much as last year's performance? No. Did I like it more than pretty much every other one I've seen? Yeah, mostly. It's Rihanna. I like Rihanna. Sorry. <laughs> She's got good shit. I think that about covers that. We're going to take a little sip of the beer and we're going to do a little NBA talk. All right, guys. So trade deadline is passed. We have discussed all the moves that took place. I don't think I've gotten to really talk to anybody since this has happened. So I told you guys what I thought about the Kyrie Irving deal to Dallas. Kyrie seemed to be playing well with the Dallas roster before uh, Luka came back. And since Luka's been back, I don't think they've won yet. Granted, I think they only played two games, but 
the Mavericks have not found a way to win with those two on the court together. And that is my worry for that team. It's not that I don't want it to work. It's not about like, oh, I really want to be right. And since I didn't think this was going to work, I want it to fail. Like, I think it'd be cool as shit to see that team work. I just don't think it will. And we're kind of getting the shades of why. They're both guys that kind of require the ball. Granted, I think there are nights that it's going to work out really well. Probably nights that they're both shooting a really high percentage. That way it's just like one touch and there's the shot and it goes in. I don't think it can be so much of a let's dribble the ball up court and we'll try to play off the ball and pass around to each other. I don't think it's going to work like that. I think it's just going to be nights where you're dribbling up court, one pass, shoot, good, dribble up the court, take the shot, it's good. And I think that's when this team's going to work is when those two, they're just taking turns, bringing the ball up the court, and they're either shooting or passing to the other one, and there goes the shot. And it goes in. That's when it's going to work. When that shot's not going, it's going to become a lot of, hey, you got to you gotta toss the ball my way. It's going to become a lot of, you know, you're, you're kind of keeping that ball on over there. And it's probably not going to be said directly that way, but I got a feeling that in time something might come out about that. If I had to guess, I'd say probably, ah, you know what? I don't know which one it's more likely to come from because I – You know, one thing you don't really hear about Kyrie is him actually complaining about teammates. For all the things that Kyrie does that piss people off, he doesn't really complain about teammates. Luka hasn't, but he's also never had a Kyrie with him. And Luka does seem like a complainer. I've seen him play games. I see what happens every time he thinks that there should have been a call and there wasn't. Granted, a lot of NBA stars do this, but Luka does seem pretty whiny. We'll see. I just got a feeling. We have yet to see Kevin Durant debut with the Suns. He will be coming back sometime after the All-Star break. You got to hope for Phoenix they can get that thing together pretty quickly because they're actually finding themselves in a position where they're going to need wins just to make the postseason. The West is so packed up right now. I mean, we're still talking like the four seed to the 13 seed. It's like a five and a half, six game difference, something like that. It's, it's not a lot. You got, you got to be able to be one of the teams that's in there. And for Phoenix, they just got rid of a lot of uh, rid of a lot of their depth. And with KD still not back, I mean, yeah, Devin Booker can do a lot, but he can't do it all. They just lost to the Clippers last night in a game where Kawhi didn't even score till halfway through the third quarter. I tell you that not just as a man that watched the game, but as a man that had bet that Kawhi Leonard been part of my six-leg parlay was going to score just simply 20 points after being hot as shit for the last week. Comes up with 16 because he didn't score for the first two and a half quarters. That's fine. Happens. But um, in all seriousness, I mean, that was not the Clippers' best game. And the Suns still couldn't match that. So what that tells me is, I mean, they they need KD out there. And I don't know exactly what the time to, uh, the timetable is for his return. I don't know when it's supposed to happen. I know it's not supposed to be like the very end of the season. I know he's supposed to be back before then, but until he's back, it's it's kind of just Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton with, you know, Chris Paul can still distribute well, but there there's a lot of Chris Paul's game that seems to be dissipating. I know a lot of people are making his fall off sound incredibly dramatic. I mean, I just, 
just watched him play. It looks like he can play in the NBA just fine. Yeah, it didn't look exactly like Chris Paul of even a year ago, but I mean, he's he's fine. He'll <laughs> be able to to contribute to this team. The Lakers deal. Um, that one excites me, obviously, as a LeBron fan. I got to see what it looked like with LeBron and the kids that all got traded over there. And that's that's gonna work. <laughs> I didn't it didn't look great when LeBron was still sidelined. Um it, it looked like it was just kind of a lot of hit and miss stuff. And if Anthony Davis wasn't scoring a lot, which by the way, he has not since he's been back from his injury, he's been in spurts, he's been dominant, and then he's been just quiet, which that's not helpful. And that's also not going to be able to get you to any sort of deep playoff run if AD is just not scoring a lot. Like, I know AD is a great defender around the rim, and I do appreciate when he plays specifically zoned in on defense. That's my favorite version of AD because with this Lakers team in particular, their defense is not very good. <laughs> and it didn't get a lot better at the trade deadline, but they did build interior defense. Now with Anthony Davis and Mo Bamba, you brought in uh, uh, Jared Vanderbilt. You've got Wendon Gabriel there, who's also a good defender. You've got guys down low that can guard, but what you still don't really have is perimeter defense. So you're probably going to get rained on with some threes here and there. And you need to be able to stop what you can at the rim. So I love when AD is locked in because that makes the Lakers defense significantly better. It allows the perimeter defenders to defend the perimeter and not have to break down inside as much. It offers a different level to the defensive game, which I think is very important for the Lakers. But if he ain't scoring, this team's first round out, even if they make it in. But LeBron's got a connection with these kids. D'Angelo Russell seems psyched to be playing with LeBron and AD. He's lobbing them up to both of them at random points of the game. He seems like he's having a blast. Feels like taking three straight threes, just dribble up and take the three. Shit, if you're going to make them two for three doing it, go ahead. Go ahead, D'Angelo. Keep letting them fly. That shit was fun. I'd like to see Malik Beasley get a little bit more, uh, more touches. The guy's good for about three threes a game. That's fine with me. Just keep. Keep handing it to him. Let him take the shot. Get him open. Get him the ball. Let him shoot. He's He's been in a little bit of a slump since he's been over here. That's fine. And just keep giving him the ball. Shooter's going to shoot. I think, uh, I think the Clippers move to get Bones Highland, I think that worked. Admittedly, I had not really watched any of Bones Highland until after this trade. And I've seen him since, and it looks like it fits in L.A. as a clipper. So that, that I think, worked out. Getting rid of John Wall. All right. I wasn't sure about the move at first. Now I like it. I see what the Clippers did. They look like a better team. I'm blanking on a few of the other trades that went on right now. I feel like there's maybe a couple more that could be spoken about right now, but none of them are really coming to mind. Except, oddly, I did see Mike Muscala with Boston, which is totally irrelevant to pretty much everything. But as the NBA goes into its all-star break, it's going to come back, and we're going to see a scenario where there's a lot of teams, particularly in the West, trying to make some type of movement that's that's just strictly upward. 
the Lakers have the highest hill to climb. They're still five games out of 500. Like they're, they're still relatively bad as far as your record is concerned. Luckily, there are so many teams that are just right about at 500, a game over to a game under, two games under, that they'll be able to catch a lot of those teams if they win. And granted, as you look at the schedule, a lot of these games are against a lot of those teams. So they're going to have to just win those games. There's games on the schedule still that I think are relatively unwinnable. I think I saw the other Boston matchup was on there and the other Milwaukee matchup was on there. Or maybe it was just one of the two. I'm already chalking that up as a loss. I, I don't feel great about that. They got Phoenix on the schedule, but I think it's going to be like towards the end of the year when Durant's already back. You can probably chuck that up as a loss. There's games they're going to lose, but if they can go through and just beat all the OKCs and the Minnesotas and the Portlands and the New Orleans, like they, they just got to take care of those teams and they'll, they'll find themselves in the postseason. They looked good enough against New Orleans the other night. They really did. I mean, they looked like they were a significantly better team than New Orleans. And even though they did just about a week ago or two weeks ago, and then they give up the double-digit fourth-quarter lead. Well, they didn't this time, and I think going forward we'll see them able to put away more of those teams. The one thing the Lakers have done best this year is played from behind. They've oddly played better when they're trailing and then have to overcome, and then they get to that peak, that milestone, right before the end of the game. That's been the way the Lakers have beaten really any decent teams. When they have a lead you're kind of like, ah, shit, because they give up leads quick. And if teams feel the momentum, I mean, the Lakers' three-point defense is garbage. (laughs) Teams just start raining threes on them, and there's no stopping it, and you're just watching the lead go from 14 to 11 to 9 to 7, and then you get a couple of baskets. Oh, it's back to 7 again, and then all of a sudden there's a 7-point run, and you're in a tie game, and it's like, well, shit, we tried. I'm excited for the end of this NBA season. I really want to see what Durant looks like with Phoenix. Obviously, you got to give it a couple of games to get broken in, but I think that that's going to be something to watch. A lot of talk about what it means that Kawhi Leonard's playing again, and to me, I'm like, well, okay. (laughs) I mean, this Clippers thing, I don't know if anybody's noticed. This Clippers team with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, it's been there for like five years. Still hasn't really done anything. I I mean, come on. <laughs> what are we doing? A lot of people are talking about, you know, who's going to be the MVP and it's got to be Jokic. And I think people are doing that just because of the stats and because Denver's generally winning. I, I feel like you cannot give the MVP to Jokic a third straight year for a team that you know is not making it to the NBA Finals. Like, it, it's nothing against them. He's not the best player in the league. I don't even think he's a top three player in the league. Maybe not even a top five. If you really think about like, if if you're starting a team and you're just saying, even this year, like, who do I want to start my team with? You're not going Jokic. You're not going Jokic for what? So you can get a guy that's going to give you 17, 15 and 12. I mean, yeah, cool. That looks nice on a stat sheet, but it doesn't really mean you win anything. 
Give me Giannis. Give me Luka. Shit, still give me LeBron. I don't care. I'll take him over Jokic still, too. Give me Durant. Give me Booker. Like, there, there's plenty of guys I would take before I would take Jokic if I'm starting my team. And it's not to say that Jokic isn't a great player. He is. I just don't see why you're going to keep giving him MVPs when they don't. I mean, he his game doesn't really equivocate to winning. Especially postseason winning. I know it's a regular season award, but God damn. I feel like you got to give it to somebody else. I would lean Giannis this year. That's fine. I'd rather see him get his third MVP than Jokic get his third MVP. At the end of the day, a lot of kids, they they look at these guys that have won MVPs in the past. And there's gonna be there's gonna be kids that are like, oh daddy, you remember getting to see Nikola Jokic? And daddy's gonna be like, Yeah, he was fine. He's pretty good. It's really good. Dad's not going to like light up in his eyes and be, oh, son, let me tell you about Nikola Jokic. Shit ain't going to happen. <laughs> Get it to be honest because daddy's going to be like, holy shit, son, you missed out on this one. That dude was an incredible talent. He could dunk the ball without even really jumping from the free, uh, the free throw line. He would just kind of like coast his arm over and it was in the basket. It's incredible. Guy's a freakish talent. <laughs> Nikola Jokic kind of looks like a loaf of bread, and he's always got bloody arms. That's that's what dad's going to remember about Nikola Jokic. He'll remember that he got a ton of triple doubles. He'll remember that they were perpetually a top three seed in the West that never made it past the conference finals. He'll remember all that, too. But when you ask what the first thing that you think of when you think of Nikola Jokic, it's probably going to be bloody arms. It is for me. And I'm quickly becoming more and more daddy age. I know when I look back, I see some of the guys that won MVP award from Bird to Johnson to Jordan, and those ones are all very computable. Makes sense. And then even when I get into like the 2000s and I see Steve Nash won back to back, I'm like, really? No, couldn't have given like Kobe a second one. <laughs> Had to give Steve Nash too. Okay. Well, that worked out. There's some MVP awards that don't make sense, but I just feel like you can't give a third one to a guy that history's not going to really remember that well. And it's not that history won't remember him. It's just not going to be the conversation with Giannis and Luca, LeBron, Durant. Embiid even. I, I feel like Embiid might be in a higher conversation level 10 years from now. Remains to be seen. But I am excited for what happens post-All-Star break. We'll get into it then. This is going to conclude this week of Nobody Is Shit Here.